Locals know the STN Sports app is the most trusted sports betting app in Nevada. They have convenient sign-up locations across Las Vegas. So download the STN Sports app today. Download and get a bonus up to $500 when you sign up at any of our convenient locations. Vegas Nation sponsored by Station Casino's STN Sports. Download the app and get a bonus up to $500 when you sign up. You're listening to Vegas Nation. It's time for First and Ten with your hosts, Vinny Bonsignor and Sam Gordon. What's good, Raider Nation? Welcome back to Vegas Nation First and Ten, your go-to source, weekly source, uh, for Raider news uh, and analysis before we get started. And there's a lot to talk about. Just wanted to let you know that uh, First and Ten is brought to you by the Las Vegas Review-Journal and presented by Station Casinos, STN Sports. Uh, without further ado, I'd like to bring in our great colleague and co-host, Sam Gordon, uh, who also covers the Raiders and many other things uh, for the Las Vegas Review-Journal and Vegas Nation, VegasNation.com. Uh, you could also download the app Vegas Nation. Uh, let's get right to it, Sam. Uh, the Raiders cut their roster down to 53. It's not etched in stone whatsoever. There's going to be a lot of moves, I think, made over the next 48 hours. But um, any surprises um, regarding what uh, what we saw today? Vinny, how you doing? Uh, great work today. Good. Great work today. Uh, all you. over a number of those moves, broke several of those transactions. Great work as always, Vinny. Um, we appreciate it. For me, uh, biggest surprise, I don't think there's a ton of surprises. You take a look at the roster, and for the most part, guys that we expected to make the team, guys that had prominent roles in training camp and guys that we expect to have prominent roles this season are on the team. Uh, the one surprise to me, um, and I guess it's not too much of a surprise when you contextualize training camp and how everything went during the preseason, but was John Brown. Uh, two years removed from a 1,000-yard season, you figured you know his speed, his veteran presence um, could would play a factor there in that receiving core, but it, it goes to show you that the Raiders have a lot of faith in Henry Ruggs, in Brian Edwards to take a step forward, in Hunter Renfro to continue uh, to be a productive slot receiver, and uh, and felt you know it was it was a mutually beneficial move. John Brown asked for his release. I expect there to be a market for him, and the Raiders feel good about where they are at receiver. So that was the biggest surprise for me. But for the most part, this roster looks how I expected it to look at this point in the season. What about you? What did you think? Yeah, and I think uh, as it relates to John Brown, um, Zay Jones also continues uh, to to emerge, you know, yep. um, as a, a guy that the Raiders uh, value uh, as a reserve player, uh, maybe even as a spot, spot starter. There's a lot of value in Zay Jones that goes beyond, obviously, the numbers because he really hasn't put the numbers up. But there's a chemistry that he has with Derek Carr. There's also an understanding now going into year three in this offense uh, of what the Raiders are doing. So uh, not a bad option to have uh, that that deep down uh, on, on your depth chart. It'll be interesting to see uh, with some of these younger wide receivers, uh, DJ Turner and Dylan Stoner, uh, who did get cut, whether they're brought back in some capacity. At the yep. very least, I would think both would be on the practice squad. Uh, and who knows, maybe one can end up on the uh, on the regular season roster, a 53-man roster uh, as well. I thought Carl jo- Joseph in the – in totality was a bit of a surprise, but the writing was certainly on the wall on Sunday when he showed up in Santa Clara um, along with John Brown, which was somewhat unusual given all yep. the uh, veterans and key players were back home in Las Vegas. And not only were they there, but they both played. And uh, that was an obvious indication that something was amiss and that yep. their futures with the Raiders probably wasn't, um, you know, real all, all that secure. And a lot of times in that situation, you know, I think I think the coaching staff was pretty far along on their decisions, and I think they just wanted to give it one more look to make sure they weren't overlooking anything or had missed something. 
or we're basically giving these guys one more shot to kind of convince them otherwise. Uh, obviously, neither one of them did that. And in John Brown's case, it sounds like he asked for the release. Um, so, um, you know, uh, there it is. But I think that aside from that, maybe a little bit of Derek Carrier. I know that he's uh, a Gruden guy, uh, adds a lot of value as a blocker and a special teams player. Yep. Um, but obviously the Raiders for now anyway have gone in a, in a different direction with their third uh, t- uh, tight end. Um, but other than that, you know, I think that for the most part, it was it was pretty cut and dry uh, in terms of of the cuts. Um, I'd like to throw this out to you. Um, what do you feel good about in terms of the roster's strengths? And where do you feel like there's still a little bit of vulnerability? Yeah, good question. I think the like we what we saw during training camp when we talked about during the offseason, I think there's a lot more depth on the defensive line. A number of those players, the Raiders went out there and acquired during the offseason to fortify that line, make the team. And same with the secondary. Those those two units, I think, go from you know, obvious weaknesses last season uh, on one of the bottom, you know, one of the worst defenses in the league to now you have some depth. Now you have some some veterans. Now you have uh, some a rotation and, and some competition there that I, th- I think is going to make these units stronger throughout the course of the regular season. Uh, in terms of depth, uh, where there's, I think, some question marks, obviously of any linebacker, right? Because we know um, Nicholas Morrow, a good chance he ends up on some kind of reserve list to start the season with what he's dealing with. Uh, Nick Wachowski banged up or has been banged up throughout the course of training camp and Denzel Perryman just now coming over, you're going to want to have to get him acclimated before you really let him go. Uh, so I think I expect them to kind of mine the the waiver wire for, for help at linebacker or to, or to shore up that unit and then running back too. Uh, of course, you like what you have with Josh Jacobs and Kenyon Drake as the top two guys, but Jalen Richard's been banged up. Is I was a little surprised Trey Regis after the season that or after the preseason that he had of what he showed that that he wasn't going to get a look on the on the active roster the 53 man to start the season but like you said this is so fluid it's early maybe there's some 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 wiggle room and and I think um, I wouldn't be surprised if, if the Raiders checked out to see what was out there at running back what about you what were your initial takeaways yeah and also I think that um, you know if you're the Raiders if and if Jalen Richard is starting the season uh, on the injured reserve uh, which that definitely could be the case. Um, which would mean he would he would be out for sure for the the first three games uh, at least. If that's let's just go down that road. If they're gonna put Jalen on IR, I think the thinking is whether it's BJ uh, BJ Emmons or, or Trey R- uh, Ragas, uh, one of those two guys and and probably both uh, will get through waivers. And I say that because when you when you look at the waiver wire process. Um, one or both of those players will have had to convince somebody elsewhere, 31 other teams, one or two, whatever the case might be of, of 31 other teams, uh, that they're good enough not just to claim on waivers, but then to have to put on the 53-man roster. You know what I'm saying? Like, like you can't just pick up a guy and then put him on your practice squad. Right. You have to – that player has to go on your 53-man roster. I'm not so sure that either Trey or uh, BJ – has moved the needle uh, enough around the league for that to happen. So I'm, I'm, I'm guessing the Raiders are, are gambling a little bit that either one or both will survive waivers and then be brought back. And at that point, um, you know, maybe one of them is the replacement for Richard uh, on the roster uh, for the, for the duration of his, um, you know, IR visit, if he goes on IR or if he doesn't have to go on IR, then you've got two uh, uh, practice squad candidates uh, on that on that practice on the uh, out of those two players. So one way or another, I think one or both 
will certainly be back. And uh, in the meantime, you could also, if he, if, if Richard's only going to miss one game, I think you can get by with the combination of Josh Jacobs and Kenyon Drake yep. uh, and, and, and Alec Ingold, you know, as the fullback slash, you know, backup uh, third running back, you, you should be able to get through it. And if you don't, then you always going to have, then you'll have one of those two running backs on the practice squad uh, to bring up in an emergency situation in case something, you know, were to happen uh, between now and Jalen Richard's uh, return. So I think that's kind of how they're, they're playing that. Um uh, so I think they'll they'll figure it sure. out at, at running back. I don't think it's a, uh, the the most pressing pressing need. Now it's that time of the week. We are joined by Chuck Esposito, director of race and sports for Station Casinos. Chuck joins us every week here on the First and Ten podcast to talk Raiders, the Vegas betting landscape, and all things sports. Chuck, welcome back. The preseason is over. First and foremost, how you doing? I'm doing good, Sam. Uh, first, I'm glad the, the preseason is over. Um, it's, uh, you know, it's definitely a struggle from our side of the counter. There's uh, so much information out there. And I know that, you know, we're privy to information like the guests are, but you hear things, you know, where teams aren't playing guys and, you know, quarterback rotations. And uh, it's just a little bit of a struggle with uh, with just the three weeks. So I know I say it all the time, yay sports books, but I know the guests are saying the same thing. Uh, they can't wait for uh, next Thursday night, the ninth, uh, to kick this off with, uh, with Tampa and Dallas. hundred percent, Chuck, hundred percent. I'm feeling the same thing. I mean, anyway, we saw um, this preseason here, you know, week three of the preseason, especially where look, teams have an idea of who their rosters are for the most part. They know who their heavy hitters are. They know who their starters are. We didn't see a lot of starters throughout the course of the preseason in general, but especially this week, and you talk, you talk about the Raiders this week, they don't bring anybody up up to San Francisco for their finale. Um, what did you take away, if anything, from the Raiders matchup with San Francisco? Is there anything you can take away from that game going into the regular season here? You know, I don't think much. I think you really, if you're going to take away anything from the Raiders preseason, Sam, I think you really have to look at the, their first two weeks. Um, yesterday, you know, the, their starting quarterbacks didn't even really get a sniff during the preseason. We know where they have to get better. Uh, as I said last week, and we talked about, love their skill position players. I know that they're young, but they've got a lot of talent on that offensive side of the ball. These guys have to step up and get better defensively. If it's, through, you know, the guys they acquired through the draft, if it's guys that they traded for free agency, young kids that, you know, had some development and played last year who can step up and play. But I think for the Raiders, you know, as we discussed, still the fourth team in the NFC, in the AFC West, that all the other three teams are trending upward. Uh, as far as futures to win the Super Bowl and the conference and division and win totals, yet the Raiders are sitting fourth. And that's a team that finished eight and eight last year and was six and two, um, you know, away uh, from home. So they need to get better at home. We'll see what happens, but they clearly need to play better on the defensive side of the ball. Yeah, no question about that. And, and again, we, we're not going to get a real, real gauge for how that's going to look until that Monday night game here at Legend Stadium against the Baltimore Ravens. Uh, before we put a bow on the preseason completely, um, you know, a couple of interesting endings, right? This, this, this past week here, uh, Patriots, Giants being one of them. Just what were some of your takeaways um, from, from your end on, on your perspective from, from the final week of the preseason here? Were there any, any endings or any games where, where there was a particular big swing based on what happened down the stretch? I'm just happy it ended. To be honest with you, that's uh, but um, but yeah, I think you know you had the the, the comeback there 
um, which was kind of interesting. I mean, we, we clearly were, were Packer fans against uh, the bills, you know, with Josh Allen coming out and, and playing, he looked like in midseason form, especially that first touchdown, the Gabriel Davis, you know, we couldn't get the, you know, the interception in the end zone, the missed field goal to try to cover there. It really was the case though, Sam, of teams that, you know, ran out some of their starters, got some playing time, see how those guys look against the teams that really didn't play anyone. Um, kind of wanted to see how Justin Fields looked with a little bit more of the starters intact and how he played. And I thought he looked uh, pretty good. I don't think Trey Lance or Justin Fields starts, but I do think there is a real shot that Mac Jones does. And I'm still sticking to my guns that if the bears struggle and it's a low scoring game and they're still in the game on that first Monday night in SoFi against the Rams, that maybe you see Justin Fields in the second half of that game. Just a gut feeling I have if the game kind of trends out that way with these two teams playing four straight unders um, over the last several years. Yeah, no, no doubt about that. And that would, that would be definitely be interesting. Like, like we talked about uh, throughout the last couple of weeks on the pod, uh, the young quarterbacks, I think we're definitely one of the, the marquee stories of the preseason. Not that there are many stories in the preseason, generally speaking, but that was one area in which there was definitely some, some legitimate interest and where there's some intrigue. Now, now, of course, this week, you're already seeing a lot of the cuts. A lot of them have already started to happen by the end of the week. We're going to have a much better gauge of what these rosters look like from top to bottom. Do you, do you expect that any, any, does anything that happens this week, does anything tend to impact what you guys see for week one, or is that pretty much, look, you guys already have a handle on who the starters are, who the stars are, what these teams are going to look like for the most part And this week. Doesn't mean a, a whole much from a betting standpoint. Not from a betting standpoint, Sam, unless there is some, you know, monster trade, even if Deshaun Watson were to get moved and there's sure. been some rumblings out there, he's not starting week one. There's no way that he, you know, didn't, didn't play it down or see the playbook for, for Carolina or Miami. And I'm just using those two teams. There's nothing there as far as we know at this point, just kind of rumors that are out there but there's no way that he starts week one. We know that Gardner Minshew was traded to the Eagles. There's rumblings that, that Nick Foles could get traded to the Cowboys and maybe back up Dak. They need a veteran presence there, but I don't see any scenario where there is a dramatic line move uh, based on something that happens with a player on the flip side. Um, if, you know, if a number of players are ruled out um, for COVID or anything else, and we're kind of seeing a little bit of that, with the Colts where Carson Wentz and, and Michael Pittman, or I think it's uh, not Michael Pittman, but uh, uh, Pascal uh, are, are out right now because of that. Now that could definitely impact the line, but not a, a guy that's cut and picked up by another team or a trade. I just don't see that happening this late in the game with not enough, enough time for a player to get kind of acclimated and get accustomed to a new system and a new team in that short of a period of time. Sure. Sure. Yeah. That, that makes, that makes total sense. I know looking ahead, and we're going to touch, we're going to go way deeper on week one um, and, and those matchups next week. But looking ahead right now, you have a number of intriguing matchups. You have obviously Dallas and the defending Super Bowl champion Tampa Bay Buccaneers opening up on Thursday night. Raiders, of course, on Monday night football and then Rams, uh, Bears in primetime, just like you mentioned. Uh, but at this juncture, right, when we're about, you know, about a week and a half out before the actual start of the regular season, are there any particular games where you guys are seeing a, a large handle or what, what games have seemed to intrigue the better so far in week one. Yeah, there's no question. I mean, you, you highlighted any time that there's a, a single or standalone isolated pro football game, it always is magnified with the amount of money that we get bet over the counter. And you touched on all those games. Some of the games that kind of stick out to me is, you know, the, the Miami Dolphin and Patriot game. You know, if it is Mac Jones, uh, is there an impact in that number at all? And how does Miami play there? 
and Green Bay and the Saints. You know, there's still some question marks about will the Saints have to move their home yep. game if they are at home, you know, getting points uh, without Michael Thomas, without Drew Brees, without, you know, their kicker and Lutz. You know, how does how does Jameis Winston step up in this game? But overall, I mean, we've seen a really good handle on some of these games. Uh, you've seen some movement on the uh, uh, on the Browns or the Broncos and Giants as soon as Teddy Bridgewater was named starter. And we're still, you know, over a week to go. Once we get to early next week, you're really going to start seeing, um, you know, some movement on these games. And we'll get a kind of a better gauge as we kind of evaluate and jump into these on the pod next week. But uh, definitely seeing some early action, even that Ram game has ticked up a little bit against the bears. I think just because of how poorly the bears offense has looked in the preseason so far with Andy Dalton. For sure. For sure. And, and we'll get you out of here on this Chuck again, as we put a ball in the preseason, what are you most looking forward to? I know we, we could do, we could record 24 hours on what, what the season is going to look like, but what, there's one thing that you are most excited for in 2021. What would that be? I know we touched on it a little, little bit, Sam, but to me, it really is these young quarterbacks. I, yep. this, you know, you talk about what teams invested in these guys and, you know, Trevor Lawrence with a new coach and urban Meyer and, and Zach Wilson with the jets and, and Lance and Jones and fields. When do they actually take the field and what is their impact and how do the betters view those guys? If all five are starting by week four, you know, what is the impact to the line? So I know we've kind of touched on it and, and hit on those teams, but to me, that's what really stands out this year. And I want to see how good the bills are. Uh, I think that the bills are closer to the chiefs than most people think in the AFC. I think that they're like one and one a, and I think the bills you could make a case are just as good um, as the Kansas city Chiefs. So I want to see if Josh Allen continues to grow and mature. And if he takes that next step for that bills offense as well. That's Chuck Esposito. Uh, we are so excited Chuck again to have you every week uh, talking Raiders the Vegas batting landscape and all things sports. Even more excited now that the preseason is out of the way. And next week, it counts for real. We'll be leading into that Ra Ravens Raiders game on Monday Night Football. A tremendous slate across the NFL. And Chuck's going to be with me to break it all down. Chuck, we appreciate it every week. As usual, looking forward to talking to you again ahead of week one and throughout the course of the NFL season. I cannot wait. Football is back and it feels spectacular. It does, Sam. Always great to be on with you. And I look forward to chatting next week. Have a great week. Thank you. Locals know the STN Sports app is the most trusted sports betting app in Nevada. They have convenient sign-up locations across Las Vegas. So download the STN Sports app today. Download and get a bonus up to $500 when you sign up at any of our convenient locations. One of the strengths, you know, just looking at who got cut today with Kendall Vickers, who I think is a good football player, another candidate uh, to, to return in some form or fashion, if he isn't picked up by somebody else, I, I think he's got enough. Um, he's shown enough that uh, he could help somebody yeah. like right now in a, in a rotation. Um, so we'll see if he, if he survives or gets through waivers uh, and, and ends up back with the Raiders in some form or fashion, but, uh, but cutting him is kind of an indication of, of where uh, the Raiders are now with this defensive line. They've got a lot of good uh, uh, defensive linemen. It's, 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 it's versatile. Um, it's, uh, you've got some experience, you've got some youth, you've got some potential, you still got upside, you've got the makings of two rotational lines and really a, a nine-player rotation when you throw Gerald McCoy in, who I think is going to be a big factor here before it's all said and done. So I really like what the Raiders have done uh, with the defensive line. Yeah, for sure, for sure. And, and you, all of a sudden you go from a unit where – 
you know, you struggle to, I mean, there wasn't a lot of depth. There wasn't a lot of, I mean, I mean, we saw what happened last season, right? We know what the, what this defensive line lacked. Now all of a sudden you have, you know, two pretty solid groups uh, of guys who can rotate throughout the course of a game. Uh, you have edge rush specialists, you have strength in stopping the run. And like you said, Gerald McCoy, I mean, let's not forget who he is. This is a, this was a perennial pro bowl player in his prime, who I think still after a year out of football still has a lot to prove and a lot left uh, to, to give at least for this season. And then you talk about the intangible aspect. I mean, this was a guy that's played on some really good teams and has had a lot of success in this league who is in position to, to help from an intangible uh, aspect on that defense as well. So um, I, I, that, that to me, Vinny, I mean, uh, I don't, you know, I don't, relatively speaking, I think this this unit has become a strength uh, for the team. Now we have to see how it plays out throughout the course of the regular season. Like I've said throughout throughout training camp, I don't expect this defense to all of a sudden become, you know, a top five, top ten unit by any means. But if with what you've built throughout the course of the offseason, the additions you made on a defensive line and the secondary can can help you become even around an average unit or around you know eighteenth, nineteenth, twentieth, then then you have something you're in business. That's a lot of improvement based on what we saw last year, and of course. Well, uh, if, if that defense gets it together based on what we expect from the offense and what we've seen, uh, then you're, you you have a chance to compete in, in the AFC for for a playoff berth, right? Well, yeah, and, and let's just look at this defensive line. Um, defensive ends, Unique Ngakwe, Max Crosby, Clee Farrell, Carl Nassib, Malcolm Kuntz. Not a bad one, two, three, four, uh, you know, uh, uh, four player uh, with, with Kuntz, you know, kind of being that, that, that guy that you can probably – uh, put in there rotationally, especially as he grows uh, through. But I, but I, I, I'm, I, I think that's as a four man defensive uh, end unit. I think that that's a pretty decent defensive end unit right there. For sure. Uh, then you go inside and you got Jonathan Hankins, Gerald McCoy, Quentin Jefferson, Solomon Thomas, Darius Phylon. Um I like it. I, I, I really like it. Uh, I also like where they are um, in the uh, in the in the secondary. Yep. And you know when you start thinking about. Uh, cornerbacks, Trayvon Mullen, Keyshawn Nixon, Casey Hayward, Damon Arnett, Nevin Lawson, who's going to start the season on the uh, on the suspended list. Uh, but Nate Hobbs, I think he wins that slot cornerback position, any, or he is the number one slot cornerback. So Nate Hobbs, Amik Robertson, Trevon Morig, uh, Roderick Teamer, who uh, opened up a lot of eyes throughout training camp, Jonathan Abram, and Tyree Gillespie. It's young. There's experience. There's guys I think that are getting ready to take big steps forward. Uh, I like with what I like what the Raiders have done in the secondary as well. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And and you talk about again. Let's factor in the Gus Bradley factor. Uh, with his track record, I know we've ha- I know we've hampered on it and hammered it home all summer. But track record for development and and just there's a stability that he brings to your secondary and that he brings to your defense in general. So with that in mind, with the youth uh, coupled with the experience now with a couple more veterans in that group and the the experience that these young players have had the last couple seasons, that feel that group feels to me like it's primed to to take a step forward this year and be much better than it was uh, in 2020. And again, that's not anything earth shattering or groundbreaking based on what we saw last year. But if if that unit can become you know deeper and that unit can start to shift into a strength and you see development from this this young secondary, that complements what this defensive line has been able to add up front. And now all of a sudden you have these two units that really struggled last year where maybe they work in tandem. Better pass rush allows these young defensive backs to get out and make more plays on the back end. And as a result, your defense improves as a whole. All right, let's look at the offensive line, which I still feel uh, needs a little bit of tinkering, um, especially as it relates to the backup uh, tackle position. Tackles Colton Miller and Alex Leatherwood. Guards Richie Incognito and Denzel Good. Starting center is Andre James. I like the starting uh, group. 
behind Colton Miller and behind Alex Leatherwood, you've got Brandon Parker. Um, I'm still a little bit dubious uh, on on that. Uh, I do wonder if maybe the Raiders uh, look outside, look at that waiver wire uh, process uh, to kind of try to figure out maybe there's a better option than Brandon Parker or somebody that they can bring in alongside. Uh, with yeah, Brandon veteran Parker. type. Yeah, exactly. Uh, then um, you've also got John Simpson and you've got Nick Martin. I like the I like Martin and Simpson um, as interior. You know, backups. Uh, I think Nick Martin can can slide back from center to guard. So I think you got uh, you're, you're you're covered there. I just think that that tackle that backup tackle position is something to uh, keep an eye on. Tight ends: Darren Waller, Foster Moreau, uh, Nick Bowers, the young kid from Penn State who seems to have taken a job uh, away from Derek Carrier, uh, and wide receivers: Henry Ruggs, Brian Edwards, Zay Jones, Hunter Renfro, Willie Sneed. Um, I'm wondering if they're going to add and, and Zay Jones, of course. I'm wondering if they are going to add a wider series. Yeah, I, I, I don't know. I mean, th- how many we got here? One, two, three, four, five. Seems a little light on wide receivers. Yeah, it, it definitely does. And you know, maybe a six wide receiver that it, it, like so a lot of those times the receivers that are at the back of the depth chart are also super valuable in special teams, whether that's in the return game, right. whether that's a gunner on the punt team. And definitely somebody that can kind of fill that role, I think, is worth uh, worth looking around at as well. But again, with with the the, the cuts that were made, uh, it, it shows a faith in these young guys uh, to to take a step forward and to emerge as as viable uh, viable threats alongside Darren Waller, who we know is one of the best football players, regardless of position in the NFL. So yeah, I think maybe a little thin there. Uh, they, they, clearly, they like what they have, but again, not worth. It, Definitely be worth combing through the waiver wire, seeing if there's somebody out there that can can fortify that depth a little bit and maybe contribute on special teams as well. And as we've talked about, uh, it's a 16-man practice squad. So the same rules from last year carry over uh, to 2021. You've got um, four spots that you can protect. So um, usually... Uh, as far as the practice squad goes, if you know, if, if if the Seattle Seahawks wants to add somebody from the Raiders practice squad to their 53-man roster, they could swoop in uh, and make that happen. Now, um, players can reject that and say, "No, I'd, I'd I'd prefer to stay here for various reasons." It doesn't usually happen uh, because the money difference is significant enough where you want to go on get on a 53-man roster. But there have been cases where. You know, players said, you know what, I'd rather just stay on the practice squad here. Thank you very much. Sure. Uh, but normally, you know, uh, unprotected, a team can come in, um, take that player and put them on their 53-man roster. However, there are four spots now, uh, carryover rule from last year, that the Raiders and everybody else can protect four players from their practice squad. So essentially, it means you have a 57-man roster, not 53, because uh, you also have the four protected practice squad guys. It'll be really interesting to see who fits uh, into that category. And overall, I think a bunch of guys that you saw got cut today will begin um, being part of, of that 53 ma- or of that practice squad as well. So uh, I would suggest, you know, everyone just kind of settle down a little bit, uh, let it all play out uh, because I think a bunch of players that you saw in preseason and in training camp are going to be in Las Vegas over at the facility in Henderson in one form or fashion uh, before it's said. Yeah, you know how these these things go, Vinny. I mean, with the attrition, with the injuries that happen throughout the course of the season, 
guys from the practice squad are, are called up all the time. I mean, all the time. And it's not a surprise when somebody steps in from the practice squad and plays a prominent role in, in a game or a stretch of game. So it gives the Raiders an opportunity uh, to, to continue developing, developing guys, get them acclimated with their system and keep them around the program. Uh, well, well, still having the 53-man roster that they prefer for the time being. No doubt about it. Um, all right, so uh, this is going to be a short show today because, you know, obviously we focused on the cuts. Uh, we took a look at the roster. Uh, yes, three quarterbacks, uh, some guy by the name of Derek Carr who will be the starter, uh, Marcus Mariota backing him up, and, and Nathan Peterman uh, as the third quarterback. No big surprise there uh, whatsoever. Uh, special teams, um, A.J. Cole, the punter, Daniel Carson, uh, the kicker, uh, and Trent Sieg as the long snapper. So, um, you know, uh, everything was status quo uh, carryover for the last couple of years uh, in, in that regard. So I think, you know, this is it. This is it's not quite the 53, but I think we have uh, an idea now of who the core players are going to be. Uh, for this 2021 Raiders team. Uh, I like what I see. I, I think there's a couple of areas like we talked about, linebacker and offensive line that I think uh, could be worth uh, taking a look into to uh, to strengthen it a little bit. We'll see where they go in terms of Jalen Richard and uh, that third running back position. Uh, but overall, uh, I think this is a this is a roster that can that can contend for a, a playoff spot um, as, as long as it avoids injuries and, and really takes care of business, especially as it relates to that second half of the season, which has been a, a problem area for the Raiders. hundred percent. And again, the last two last two years, this team was a, a playoff contender all the way up through November and before the wheels come off at the end of the year. So they now maybe more depth. Uh, a little bit more wiggle room. Uh, it gives them an opportunity. Again, I think I think it's totally reasonable that they contend based on what we've seen so far on training camp, based on what this roster looks like, based on what we know about this roster uh, coming back. Before uh, before we get out of here, Vinny, when we take a look around the NFL, right, this is a huge day around the league. Anything that jumped out to you league-wide as far as it pertains to the 53-man rosters that we've seen? Well, obviously Cam Newton uh, getting cut uh, in New England. Uh, but, you know, I – I felt all along that, uh, you know, through no fault of his own, Mac Jones um, kind of got – not that he got thrown under the bus, but because the 49ers were thinking about drafting him uh, third overall uh, and there was, you know, the uh, – the you know, what do you think – what are you doing? You've got Trey Lance out there. You've got Justin Fields uh, out there. Um, I don't know about Trey Lance. I don't know enough about Trey Lance. Uh, I think he's going to be an outstanding quarterback. I liked what I saw yesterday. But – as it relates to Justin Fields and and Mac Jones, my instincts tell me that Mac Jones is going to be a better quarterback. I loved what I saw from Mac Jones at Alabama. I know everyone can say, well, he was at Alabama. He had a bunch of talent. This dude threw some of the most catchable balls I've ever seen. He was precise. He was on time. He was calm, cool, collected. Yes, he obviously had a lot of talent around him, but this guy can spin it. And I think that he got... Uh, because of the, all that speculation, um, I think people were sort of underrating him. And I think that I, I, you just saw it coming that he was going to end up in the with the Patriots. Um, and I think the last laugh is going to go to Bill Belichick. And I think it's going to go to Nick Saban because uh, I think I know they know what the hell they're doing. Um, I, I don't think he'll be a better quarterback uh, than, than uh, Trevor Lawrence. I think Justin or uh, I, I think um, – uh, Trey Lyons has a chance to be an outstanding quarterback. Can't watch. Can't wait to watch him. Not so sure about um, you know the the Jets quarterback who was taken number uh, two overall by the uh, by the uh, out of BYU. But I think that Mac Jones is going to be 
a heck of an NFL quarterback. And I think he showed Bill Belichick right out of the gate that he's ready to do it like right yeah, now. Yeah, and step in and do exactly what New England needs him to do. They're not going to ask him to do too much. You have reliable tight ends now, reliable receivers. We know the skill positions have been an issue for New England uh, in the past. They fortified that. And, and Mac Jones, like, like you said, seems like he's ready to go. So many young quarterbacks, Vinny, across the NFL, not just the rookies, but just in general, a lot of youth, uh, which is super exciting, right? Like super exciting for us as we get to see these guys grow and see how their careers uh, play out. So I'm excited. I mean, uh, roster cuts this week, but next week, I mean, we're, we'll be talking about the Baltimore Ravens. I mean, we're going to be talking about the Ravens in week one, week one at Legion Stadium. I cannot wait. It's right around the corner. Absolutely. And we're going to be here to preview it this time next week. So uh, be ready for that. And then obviously we'll be talking about it uh, Tuesday morning <laughs> without question. Uh, checking out what happened on September 13th when the Raiders opened their season against the Baltimore Ravens. want to say thanks uh, to uh, Larry Muir, our great uh, producer. Uh, thanks for uh, being flexible uh, and waiting out <laughs> the cuts today. It was a, it was a day-long ordeal, uh, but we were able to all get our work done uh, and, and put this one uh, to bed as well. I wanted to say thanks to uh, Las Vegas Review Journal for uh, bringing this uh, show to you guys, uh, but also uh, Station Casino STN Sports uh, for all your support. Guys, we'll be back, and girls, we'll be back uh, to talk to you guys again next week um, in preparation for the season opener. Sam, thanks so much, and we will talk to you next week. Locals know the STN Sports app is the most trusted sports betting app in Nevada. They have convenient sign-up locations across Las Vegas. So download the STN Sports app today. Download and get a bonus up to $500 when you sign up at any of our convenient locations.